doing the job and learning the skills can be taught to you. Who you are when you show up at those final round interviews, you need to be memorable. Welcome to the Final Round Podcast, where our mission is to help you knock out the competition and land your dream job. My name is AJ Eckstein, and I'm a recent college graduate, a strategy consultant, a five-time intern, and the founder of The Career Coaching Company. Have you ever wondered why only a few people get past the final round interview and land the job offer? Join me in the ring as I speak with recruiters at top companies to learn the secrets why certain applicants get knocked out and others are still standing after the final round. Now, let's jump into the ring and get you past the final round. Our guest today is Garland Fuller. Garland has over 15 years of experience in talent acquisition, including eight years within the commercial real estate industry. Previously, she was a regional recruiter for JLL. Currently, she's the senior diversity recruiting business partner at CBRE, which is the largest commercial real estate services and investment firm in the world. The firm's assets under management exceeds $104 billion, and they have over 100,000 professionals worldwide. As our first guest from the commercial real estate industry, I introduce to you Garland Fuller. Garland, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So I think a great place to start would be to learn more about your individual recruiting and kind of career journey. I know that you've been in talent acquisition for about 15 years now, eight of those years being in commercial real estate. That's correct. Yes. I started in, I'd say, the HR talent acquisition world. I'm probably one of the few that knew out of college that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I had an internship at Charles Schwab in their college relations department, and this was in San Francisco. And so I had an opportunity to, you know, go behind the scenes of running a program, what is involved in running an internship program. Uh, And during that time, I was also able to meet other interns within the business. I helped coordinate a lot of the events um, because, you know, internships are, of course, about doing the work in the business, but also outside of that, we would do mixers and seminars and um, have career center directors we would host and things like that. And so after that opportunity, I was like, I think I found my thing. I had up to that point, I tried on accounting, I tried on legal, Mm -hmm. I tried on, you know, a variety of different things and nothing quite fit perfectly. I think when you're, you know, a student, you're learning, you're trying to determine where's my fit, like, what are my skills that I'm very, you know, naturally inclined to do? What are the uh, environments that I thrive in? What are the people that I like being around? The other areas just it just didn't feel right. Um, And something about going into this internship, my junior year, I was like, I think I've got my thing. So I went back to school the following semester and enrolled in HR management courses, nonprofit management courses, um, looked at how I could integrate some of the things that I was able to do um, Mm -hmm. into my last uh, semester, last year. I got out in a bad economy. So when people are talking about this current pandemic and oh my gosh, I I sympathize because I know I got out and there wasn't 
tons of jobs. And so you had to kind of piece things together. And I worked at a staffing agency on two different assignments they put me on. And those were just to get my feet wet, just to say I have HR experience, just to say that I had learned some things. And in two different industries, one was a hospital setting, one was a bottling company for soda. And so nothing similar about them, but it was an opportunity for me to try on some things. And then moving into commercial real estate was, again, another learning curve in terms of learning how that business works, all of the disciplines and all of the lines of business that come under that umbrella. I've been enjoying that, I think, because salespeople are fun people. I think what makes commercial real estate exciting is that it is really diving into what's happening in your local city and your market um, and getting to see all of the, I'd say, movement that happens behind the scenes before you actually see something happen. There's lots of people putting things together. And so that's, I think, been one of the joys of commercial real estate. I love how you said that, you know, going into it, you found some classes that you really enjoyed and you knew that HR recruiting talent acquisition was for you. You actually dove deeper into it, learn more about it, but then you couldn't just specialize. You had to get your feet wet and you kind of came across commercial real estate and then you've loved it. And I know that you've obviously spent some time both at JLL and CBRE, two of you know the most prominent and uh, most prestigious commercial real estate firms in the world. And I'm curious to know, uh, I understand at JLL, you were a uh, regional recruiter. And then at CBRE, you are focused more on diversity recruiting. So how has that role changed going from JLL to CBRE? Good question. As a regional recruiter, I focused very much on the local market that I was in. So I'm out of Los Angeles. So that incorporates not only LA, but Orange County, San Diego, Arizona. So I had to, you know, kind of cover all of the different positions that fell under that market and really got to know the managers, got to know the business, got to know what their needs were. Um, And it was really, I feel like embedded in what was happening locally. Um, But I was focused only on the positions, only on recruiting. I didn't do any external facing relationship building with universities, with professional um, associations. I got an opportunity to do more outward facing work. And so developing relationships and partnerships with, you know, organizations, student clubs, um, also working within our um, employee network groups internally. Uh, And then in terms of diversity, I mean, we are trying to, I'd say, change the face of real estate and, and open the tent a little bit more. I think, you know, there's so many options out there when you go to either business school or if you're an economics major. I mean, you've got accounting, banking, consulting. There's so many places you can take these degrees. Mm-hmm. And so commercial real estate, sometimes nobody really thinks about it. You don't necessarily, if you don't know someone who's already doing it or you don't have someone who you know, you can ask questions. When I go to campus, a lot of what I do is just opening up the world of what this industry can be, depending on what your skill sets are, what your strengths are. Um, I think everyone knows about brokerage because, you know, that's the, the signage everywhere. And, and those are oftentimes the, you know, vocal parts of the business where people see people, you know, coming and going. And, um, but there's a whole host of other disciplines that, are under commercial real estate. And so I think working in the diversity role, it's given me an opportunity to be more hands-on in delivering that message and getting the word out there. 
um, not only within um, organizations on campus, but organizations, you know, across kind of the, the marketplace. So for me, it was a little different coming, just being more out there, but I've enjoyed it. Um, I, I think I'm, an, I'm a natural extrovert. So yeah. talking to people is not hard for me. <laughs> um, and that's been fun. That's great. No, I think it's super interesting as well that you say that a lot of your time is spent making, you know, strong relationships on campus, as in with the student organizations and groups. Uh, I'm, you know, also very understanding of diversity and inclusion. I started an organization at USC. It was focused on helping underrepresented students get into primarily consulting and investment banking. But commercial real estate is another, I think, huge competitive industry that really does lack DNI. But it's so important to help diversify that industry. So, what does diversity and inclusion mean to you? And what are some things that you're doing, if you can share with uh, kind of you and your team at CBRE, that you're trying to do to diversify, you know, commercial real estate? Great question. Um, so, I'm going to throw the E in there as well, which is the equity. Equity and inclusion. Um, so, we're going to do. So, diversity is basically um, a mix. It's a variety. It's basically people from all backgrounds. And it's not sometimes only, you know, gender and race, but it's also, you know, geographic location, national origin, abilities, LGBTQ, veterans. I mean, there's so many intersectionalities of, I'd say, the things that we are, have as identity markers. Mm -hmm. And so diversity is kind of, you know, everyone and all of the different lenses and perspectives that they can bring. So diversity is just, let's make sure we've got everyone represented. Inclusion is the idea of creating an environment where people feel like they're bringing their opinions and they are able to share what their personal beliefs are in an environment that they're not going to be um, ridiculed or you know looked at. So inclusion is more um, the environment and creating an environment that allows people to feel like they can bring themselves the equity, I'd say, is something that we've recently added, at least CBRE has, and I think you've been hearing more, and that is the access and having access to opportunities. There's a picture that's been floating around the internet, but there's a group of people who are outside of a fence, and they're all looking, trying to look over the fence. So equality is we're all standing on the same box. Equity is we have different boxes for different sizes so that you can see over the fence. And so it really addresses more so some of the power structures that, you know, we're not a meritocracy. I think people want to think we're a meritocracy, but the truth is that there are some discrepancies with how various people show up. And so equity is essentially putting in place some supports and some um, acknowledgement that there are barriers to entry and how can we make things more you know, equitable so that everyone has access. And I, I think you, you know, you were touching on a few points that giving everyone equal opportunity, but I think at the end of the day, there are always going to be companies that recruit more so at certain schools. So how would you advise a student who comes from a quote unquote non-target school, but wants to break into a competitive industry like commercial real estate and can't just fall onto their strong alumni network if there's not a large alumni network at that school? So I find that LinkedIn, particularly now, um, I mean, we're not meeting up on campus as much as we used to simply because there's just not in-person events anymore. And I know that there were students, at least I'd heard this from a few students that would, you know, go to other schools as career stuff. I, I don't go to a tier one school, but I feel like I'm a tier one person. So I'm going to 
crash someone else's party. I don't know that I would necessarily say to do that, but I know that there have been some students who have done that. Um, there are organizations also within the industry like ULI, Urban Land Institute. They have a student membership that I believe is reduced for students. And so they have quite a few networking events, both now online via Zoom. Um, and that's a great way to meet people. Uh, I think if you are interested in this industry, you need to immerse yourself in relationships and networks that you can that are specific to this industry. Taking, you know, getting the license, if that's what you need to do, you know, taking the boot camps, if that's what you need to do. And some of these boot camps have alumni lists, have people who have gone through them. They've been building communities and doing things to help people to get in with various organizations. But as I initially said, LinkedIn right now, I think is the way to go as it relates to your searching and your getting in front of people. If you need to pay for the extra premium level because you feel like I don't have a robust enough network at this point to just leverage that, and you can do a search for a specific company, look for the recruiter, send them a message. Um, you can also look for hiring managers, not the VPs, not the SVPs, not the managing directors. We're talking about you know people who are kind of in the middle who would be your manager. Because I, I know sometimes students, they, they want to go straight to the top. Um, and although I'm sure they are going to, you know, love to hear from you, I don't necessarily know that they have the time. So I want to make sure that, you know, if you're going to leverage that, make sure you're not going too high up the chain mm -hmm. um, and that you're finding someone in the middle who you can, you know, connect with and ask for advice and take very little time. So 15 minutes, be prepared to go in there and ask the questions and, you know, have that person get to know you. I don't think sometimes people realize that LinkedIn is, is really a connecting tool. Uh, to be able to have access to somebody like that is revolutionary because before to just even find out who was the person in that organization that did that particular job, you had to go through way too much to find. And so now it's really at your fingertips to be able to you know send off something quickly in order for that individual to just even see that you're on their radar. Got it. So I think to summarize kind of what you said, LinkedIn, it's your friend, use it as a resource. You know, it wasn't always there. I think it's so prevalent today, especially we're living in, you know, a virtual world right now, right? Everyone's working from home. I think they're always online, especially with LinkedIn. Uh, when you're reaching out to people, let's say someone at CBRE, don't reach out to a CEO or an, uh, the CEO, MD, anyone super, super high up, but someone who's a recruiting manager, someone in recruiting HR or that mid-level. And then diving deeper into some strategies to effectively network if you, let's say, come from a non-target school and can't rely on that alumni base. So if we can't share the similarity or the commonality of, hey, Garland, I go to the same, or I went to the same school as you, and we look through each other's profile, and I can't find any similarities. Should we just talk about our interest in commercial real estate? Yes. I would just focus on the interest in commercial real estate. So, um, and if you know something about that organization and something that they're doing to show that you've done your research, if you don't have anything that you can visibly see, just focus on, you know, I'm in the same market you're in. This is what's going on in our market. I would love to talk to you about it. Because I, I would say that for the most part, most people in commercial real estate, I wouldn't say everyone's extroverted, but they do have somewhat of a, of a sales and outreach, you know, mentality and characteristics. So I feel like for the most part, you have to show that back to them and say that I'm willing 
and open to reaching out to you. Hopefully you can see that I'm shooting my shot essentially and hoping to, you know, get some time with you to discuss commercial real estate and, and a position at CBRE. That's definitely true. I mean, I'd say we're um, more of the chatty, how are you, you know, we have to win business and be opportunistic um, by, you know, talking to people. And the only way to do that is to just, like you said, shoot your shot. It's probably one of the few industries where people respond to it, not as an affront. I think certain industries, you know, if you're coming on very, you know, persistently or assertively, they might be like, oh my goodness. But I think, especially if you're interested in a sales opportunity, if you're somebody who is interested in doing something where you're going to have to business develop, people will love the fact that you, you know, reached out. So on top of trying to be more extroverted, what are some other skills or, you know, qualities or characteristics that you think fit into someone who is a good fit for the commercial real estate industry overall? Uh, That's a good question. So we are the problem solvers. So your ability to problem solve, uh, which includes, you know, thinking critically, um, thinking about, you know, steps around not only just what you're doing, but how does that impact the larger system or the larger group? I think people who are, you know, passionate about what they're doing, and it doesn't necessarily mean passionate about commercial real estate specifically, but like you're engrossed in the team that you work on, you're engrossed in the work that you're doing, um, because that's how you come up with, you know, something that's going to change a process or how you decide to go about doing something. You've got to be interested. I, I tell students often that know your job, but know the next person's job, because how can you help them if you don't know what they're doing? How can you be able to, you know, add value by, you know, taking something off of their plate or giving them, you know, some information that they wouldn't get if you didn't, you know, know that was valuable information to them. I mean, you have to know what you're doing, but you have to know what people around you are doing too, so that you know where you can fit in. Um, And then when your strengths are really great, you know, you know, I, this is really what I'm bringing because this is what I'm really good at. I think it's an interesting point because usually you're looking for problem solvers. And we recently interviewed a recruiter uh, in the consulting industry. And I would say the main trade as well is looking for problem solvers. So when you say problem, a problem solver, it doesn't have to necessarily just mean in commercial real estate, but it could be in anything that you're doing, solving problems, and then relating that experience, whatever that is, going back to commercial real estate. Correct. I mean, some of what we do is ambiguous. Um, I mean, there are certain things we're going to do that, you know, you have to return in a report every whatever week, month, quarter. I mean, that's happening regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are things that come up that there's no blueprint for. There's things that happen that you have to think on your feet and, you know, figure out something. And so your ability to work in ambiguity to figure things out is huge. And I don't necessarily know that that is something sometimes that you can teach somebody to do. They just kind of have to have that. I think with figuring things out is curiosity. With figuring things out is research. With figuring things out is talking to other people and asking them questions. It's a variety. I don't, when I say problem solver, you know, if you're in in a tech role, problem solving looks different than maybe if you're in a marketing role which would look different if you're in a financial analyst position, but it's problem solving anyway, wherever you do it. Being okay with 
the fact that you don't know and asking for help. I think we're, we're an industry that realizes that we don't have all the answers. And so if there's something that you can be adding to help us do something more efficiently or effectively, let's do that. To gain more relevant experience, if you can't, let's say you have to wait for the cycle for commercial real estate, let's say you're a freshman and you're just not eligible for a lot of opportunities for most companies. Do you think that having residential real estate experience is helpful to add to your application to apply for commercial or is it two completely different things? It's not completely different, but it is. So what I tell people, what is your job going to be at that residential you know, are you doing market research? Are you doing marketing? Are you, you know, participating in, you know, showings and listings? Like, what are you doing? And is that something that can be translatable into the commercial real estate world? So if it is something that it's translatable, go for it. But I also tell people there are smaller commercial real estate companies out there, boutique firms that may be doing, you know, maybe a REIT, they might be doing only property management, like There are smaller commercial firms out there that you take that same gumption of picking up the phone and saying, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. They will be equally impressed that you picked up the phone and found them. And you may be able to get a commercial opportunity through a smaller firm. I don't know that maybe enough people do that because honestly, if if you're going for another opportunity in commercial, and they see you have commercials like, oh, okay, so you kind of are in our industry. If you can't get anything in a smaller boutique firm, definitely do residential. But I don't want people to get stuck in residential because there are different things that are happening in residential that don't apply. Originally, a few years ago, when I thought of real estate, I thought of residential. I think that's what most people think about because it's it pertains to the most. You know, most people live in a house, right? But I think that when you go beyond that and go into thinking about commercial real estate, obviously they both have the real estate in the name residential versus commercial, but you would never think of applying to some of the smaller boutique firms other than the CBREs, GLLs of the world that are so big. And I think early on, I think it's a great point instead of going into residential, because maybe it's easier to get your own residential real estate license, try to go for those smaller boutique firms. And I also, I think maybe you would agree with this as well, that not that many people are doing that. There's probably less outreach. So you're going to really make some noise in these smaller firms. And who knows, maybe you'll love it and you'll be able to grow with that company. But I think you made a great point. Do what other people are not doing with recruiting. And I think a lot of people think that it's such a structured approach to doing everything. You have to do something one way and everything else is wrong. But I think that's a great point. And get in the same field of commercial real estate. But you can start small and then grow. And maybe by junior or senior year, you can dive into a CBRE of the world. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, when there's so many uh, options out there, people sometimes only focus on the big ones. Uh, everyone's going for the big fish, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of small fishes in, in, in these ponds. And you can learn, I sometimes think more because they don't have very isolated jobs like one person's doing three or four different things. And so you're getting to do the research, you're getting to do the financial analyst stuff, you're also getting to, you know, pick up the phone. And so you're getting probably more experience in a variety of places at the smaller firms, because they don't have 600 people to do the work, like, they've only got a team of 10. So you might be able to help more people 
and say, what are you doing? How can I help you? And learn more skills than probably only focusing on some of the big firms, especially if you're a freshman or a sophomore, like you don't know what you don't know. And they, and they don't have sometimes all of the tools, like meaning like the big, the big softwares. And so you learn how to do it in a very organic way. And so at that point, when you do get on the major systems and the bigger, you know, platforms, you already know how to do it before the platform's there, which I think is huge. Mm -hmm. I think a great analogy would be translating this to tech, that everyone wants to work at the Googles and Facebooks of the world, but there are so many tech startups where arguably you probably gain more experience because like you said, you have to wear more hats especially early on, because they don't have a full HR team. So if you're interning in HR, you're going to be probably the HR manager for an internship, right? So Correct. I think that's a great point. And, you know, early on in your career, trying to get more experience and not just looking at, you know, looking in areas where everyone else is looking. And I guess the next part is once you decide that, you know, between residential and commercial, let's say that you think commercial is better suited for you and where you want to go. How would you advise someone to try to focus on what to specialize in within commercial real estate, right? There's so many areas, there's brokerage, valuation, but it seems like it's just so high level and it's hard to really learn until you gain experience. That is a good question. I wish I could like create a quiz and then Mm -hmm. have you like answer the quiz and it'll tell you, you are great for valuations. You are, but I think that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. I'm like thinking about it right now because honestly, I, I get it all the time. So I tell students, you have to know yourself. If you're sitting in that real estate finance class and you are eating it up, you could do models in your sleep. You are starting to do models of stuff that they didn't even ask you to do because you just love financial modeling. Then clearly you need to be doing something in financial modeling or finance. Um, because that is clearly something that's you're loving. If you are struggling in that class and that is not your favorite class, do not go there. I don't care what you think a financial analyst job sounds like on your resume when you get out of school, because you will be spending 80% of your day in Excel. So know yourself. If you're somebody who you're like, you know what, I can spend you know 40% of my day in Excel, but I need the other 60% to be social I need to be doing something a bit more outward facing and creative. There are other areas. I want people to really be truthful with themselves about how they work and what kind of work they want to do. Because school really is, this is what nobody tells you, right? So school, I know it sounds like a bunch of classes, right? Oh God, I got to take all these classes. But if you're paying attention to which classes you really love and which classes you enjoy, That's really giving you a clear understanding of where your strengths are and what you like to do. And so looking at those classes and translating it into work and what would a work day look like if I had to do these things is really helping you to figure out what what to focus on. And so property management is great for the people who like to operationalize, who are administrative, you know, wizards and mavens who like to figure out how to, you know, make something work more effectively. They, they can, you know, do P&L and budgets, but they also like to, you know, talk to people and they like to business develop and they like to, you know, be social. Um, if you're somebody who, you know, data, you love data. You could like take 600 data points to try to put it in a model to give you a result to tell a story. You might want to look at research. You might want to look at valuations. If you're somebody who's like, I really enjoy selling and I like 
the, the, the hunt, the chase. You need to be a salesperson. So don't try to put yourself into a role because it sounds like, oh, I want to be a broker because everyone's a broker and the brokers make all the money. Be honest with yourself. So don't, don't do what everyone else is doing. I, I mean, I think I know going back to investment banking for a second, everyone wants to be an investment banker out of college because there are sexy company names. You get paid very well. But when you get down to it, I mean, some people do love just crunching on Excel, but there are a lot of people who don't think that, oh, it's not going to be that many hours. And then you don't realize you're working hundred hour work weeks, which would be fine if you love it, but some people just can't stand it. So I love what you were saying about, think of it as a, as a diagnostic test, see what you like, what you don't like, look at your classes that you've taken, see what are some areas of interest and some areas of dislikes, and then go from there within commercial real estate. Correct. Going back to if real estate's for you, I know a very common question, no matter what industry is why X industry. So when you're hearing people, let's say on an informational phone call, let's say I were to reach out to you and I'm like, hi, Garland, my name is AJ. I'm super interested in real estate, want to learn more about your role at CBRE. And you come back and say, that sounds awesome. Curious to know why commercial real estate? What is a good way to frame that answer? I guess, what are you looking for? And what is CBRE looking for in that answer? Oh, this is hard. Okay. So, and I think because I understand that students don't know their whole life. I mean, you all are still very much in the exploration phase. If you don't know, that's okay. Tell me, you know what? I don't know, but here are the things that I know I like. Here are the things that I've had an opportunity to explore. Here are the classes that I've taken. And this has been interesting to me. I work on this project. And while I worked on this project, I learned X, Y, Z, which is why I'm even calling you right now. Like, tell me that. Don't tell me because it's a tangible asset. It's not telling me anything about you. It's not telling me anything about why you like commercial real estate. So tell me about a class that you took that even got you picking up the phone to talk to me. Tell me about someone you met that you're like, I got to shadow them for a week and I learned all this about them. And I took a modeling class. And after that class, I realized, oh my gosh, this is a real thing. I get to see all of these you know, deals and determine whether any of them are viable. You know, Look at all of these variables. I need to hear you're excited. <laughs> On top of what you say, you need to hear the excitement, right? I'm sure you've heard enough, enough why real estate answers to where they're just reading a script. They sound very monotone and they're, you can tell that their heart, their passion is not into this field. Yes. Yes. The students that I get who call me and are like, you know, and then I did this and then I fell into that. And then I realized this and you can tell that there's a pursuit, there's an exploration, there's an interest. There's a passion. There's a little flame in there somewhere that's like, you need to keep doing this. It doesn't have to be extroverted passion, but it has to be thoughtful passion. Like I've been thinking about this and this is why I'm moving this way. Especially when I hear the people who, you know, I was a cognitive science major or I was a whatever. And then I had that one real estate internship. And now, I mean, I wish I had two more years to go back and take all these finance classes. I mean, that's okay. I just feel like you have to find your why. Why are you here? Why are you doing this? What is it about this that is interesting to you? And be able to tell that story and be able to, you know, articulate that. And that, that's a great point. I completely agree with you. No matter what industry or job you're applying to, you have to have your story, story ready to go. You have to be able to, you know, put a thread through your resume. And even though, and I, I've worked with students before that, have had a 
tech internship and then a marketing internship and then real estate. And it's like, how am I qualified for investment banking? And you have to be able to navigate your story because if you can't understand it yourself, how is someone like Garland going to be able to, to understand it? Right. So I, I totally agree with you that finding your why and understanding your story is, is essential. You know, as we almost are, are wrapping up the show today, kind of one of my uh, almost last questions would be that I know that you've obviously had a decade and a half of experience in talent acquisition. And I think your, your experience is very unique in that you were a full cycle recruiter and that you dealt with everything from sourcing to, uh, to referrals all the way to the end of compensation negotiation. So out of all of those parts, what is one area that you think that students are, you know, really need to improve on the most and why? I mean, I'm going to answer this for COVID times because I don't know how long we're going to be in these COVID times. And I think this is such a unique recruiting time. Nothing is like this. No one's been through anything like this. I mean, every downturn economically, we've still been able to meet up. So I, I think that part is the puzzle piece that is new and different. And so for me, I'd say with students right now is your ability to get in front of people even though you can't get in the same room with people is the puzzle piece you need to figure out. Because once you get in front of them and you can tell your story, you know, show your strengths, you know, speak to your, your particular um, areas, I think you're, you're going to be okay. Um, but if you can't get in front of people right now and you're not, you know, leveraging Zoom, you're not going to meetups, you're not participating in recruiting events are happening still online and learning to like it. I mean, I'm not saying you need to love it. Trust me. It's not the same. I know that, but you have to show up. You have to go. You have to be present. And I agree with you that I don't think anyone loves to just be on Zoom all day. I think obviously there are preferences of a hybrid versus work from home, whatever it may be. But I do think that no matter what it is, you can't just sit here and complain about it. You have to adapt to the times and I think roll with life's punches. And I know that rolling with life's punches was actually an episode for your podcast. And I'd love if you can kind of share with the audience a little about your podcast and what you focus on who you interview. Yeah. So my podcast is called Full Circle with Garland. It's on, you know, the major platforms. And it's basically a podcast I started in order to provide career storytelling for professionals with diverse backgrounds within commercial real estate. I think commercial real estate has primarily been an industry where you, you know, you don't see a lot of people of color and women going to campus. I even hear it from the young women who are in some of the classes that, you know, they're one of three or four in a class of, you know, 40 or 60 or whatnot. And so it's hard to sometimes see something that you want to be if you don't know that there are people doing it. And so a big part of this podcast for me is not only sharing these folks are out here doing this work, uh, but you too can do this work. Um, and some of the things that they've learned along the way, I'm definitely asking them, you know, questions about overcoming obstacles, how they got started in various areas. I'm also asking them about, you know, what they're doing now and how much social impact they want to make. I think once you get to a certain level in your career, you start thinking about legacy building and what you want to leave behind, mentorship, paying it forward, participating in boards. And so I'm encouraged because I know that you need to see that these things are going on. I know when you're first starting out, you're just thinking about, can I just get into that first thing? But when you understand you know, charting your career, career development, career management, and looking at 
long-term, you know, what are my goals? How are, how am I going to navigate these things? I think this is a great podcast to listen to, to hear what other people are doing. And I'm hoping it inspires students to think more deeply about where they want to be and be more intentional with the the kinds of work they want to do and realize that, you know, school extracurriculars don't stop once you leave school. Uh, I think everyone, you know, they're participating in clubs on on campus and then you get into your full-time job and you're just doing your job. That's, that's going to get real tired really quick. So if there's, you know, organizations you want to participate in still, to continue to develop yourself, continue to find mentors, continue to be inspired. Uh, I'm hoping that my podcast helps people do that. That's awesome. And I think your content, I've I've listened to a few episodes. It's so refreshing because I agree with you that so many people are are focused on getting their foot in the door and then actually getting a spot at the table. But then once that door closes, you're at the company. You're totally right. It doesn't stop there. You should get involved. You should join employee resource groups if you can. You should be on the intramural uh, basketball team if there's a company team, whatever it may be, right? Leaving your legacy, making bonds is so important. And where can people find it? You have a a website, correct? Yes, garlandfuller.com. LinkedIn, of course, because that's my favorite hangout. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And I'm known to be a LinkedIn person. So if you also want to find out about how to be a better LinkedIn person (laughs) um, for branding purposes and things like that, please let me know. But I mean, I'm impressed with you. I will tell you that I have not had an opportunity to participate in something like this. So, I mean, kudos to you for like jumping in there and, you know, putting something together. Well, like your episodes have, have taught me as well, you have to roll with life's punches. And I, I think we're very similar in that we can either sit here and complain. I think everyone, I mean, so many people are in different circumstances given COVID, right? And I think at the end of the day, if we're able to have some extra time to give back and help others, then it's our duty to, to give back. And I know that I think, you know, Garland, uh, you, myself, and our team, we're trying to do the same thing in terms of helping students and young professionals. I think we're doing it a little bit differently, but I think it's so important to just give back and help. So I love, you know, everyone listening, make sure you check out uh, Full Circle with Garland. And my last question today, Garland, how we like to end the show, it's kind of a tradition here at the Final Round Podcast. What is the best piece of advice you can give to our audience to help them get past the final round interview and land the job offer. Know your why, like know why you're there, know who you're showing up as when you're there. What I know is doing the job and learning the skills can be taught to you. Who you are when you show up at those final round interviews, you need to be memorable. Who are you? What is it that you're gonna be bringing? How are you gonna be showing up? What stories are you going to be sharing so that the interviewers walk away and say, oh my gosh, this person is kind of amazing. We need to be sure that we have them on our team. Be yourself and be authentic and share who you are, even if that's not typical. We all have different stories and we all have different perspectives and we all came from different places. And so bring that because that's what you're going to be bringing every day you go to work. That is what you're going to be bringing when we ask you to chair a committee. That's what you're going to be bringing when you decide to lead a call, don't forget who that is and show up and, and show that. People attach to stories. Stories are like oral tradition is like our oldest way of, you know, holding information. Because before we could write, we could speak. And when we spoke, we told stories to each other. And it's how our brains process information best. And so when you tell your story, people remember you. They remember your story, but they remember whatever those nuggets of things that you 
put for them. And how you tell that is all you have control over. You can tell the same story two different ways and people will feel differently depending on how you told the story. Mm-hmm. And so if you tell the story and it sounds like, oh my God, this person sounds like they don't know what they're doing. They're sad. It's a sad story. Like, oh my goodness, depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can send that same story of challenge and trial and showing triumph and, 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 and glory or some kind of, you know, lessons learned, something that gives you a totally different understanding of that person. You're like, oh my gosh, this person's a fighter. They've got grit. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope Garland opened up an entire new industry for you as she went into detail about the reasons why commercial real estate doesn't get enough attention at most schools. Be sure to check out Garland's podcast, Full Circle with Garland, on all major platforms. If you guys have not already, please subscribe and leave a rating. I would love to hear what you found most interesting in this episode by sharing it in a review on Apple Podcast. Until the next episode of the Final Round Podcast, keep fighting, and I will see you in the ring.